You're never meant to figure this out alone. Talk to a trusted friend, someone who can empathize with your condition, with your state, someone who can pray with you, someone who can point you toward healing and the hope that is available for the anxious mind. And what I would say this, there is incredible power in shared stories, isn't there? This time the children are dismissed to Children's Church. Pretty sure there's lots of sugar back there. <laughs> uh, scriptures. Scriptures say that uh, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Anxiety in a person's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes us glad. And I am uh, praying that with God's help this morning, that we will speak a good word to you, that uh, along with the songs that we have sung and that we will sing, that uh, indeed what the uh, video said, that you will feel hope. Uh, restored in your in your spirit, maybe even uh, even multiplied in your heart today as we trust in God together and look to His Word. So uh, I'm excited to be here today. Uh, I didn't know if I was. Uh, yesterday I had one of my now famous and uh, hated migraines. And uh, do you ever have those where you just feel them coming from back here and you just yeah, that was a lot of fun. So here we are, and uh, we're gathered like we always do on Sunday. Check out these logos. <clears throat> They're uh, easily recognizable. You see them already. You're familiar with them. Two horses pulling in opposite directions, known the world over as the iconic symbol of Levi Strauss and company. It's a fitting image for anxiety. That's what we're going to talk about today. Being pulled in different directions. In one direction, our hopes. In the other direction, our fears. And it feels like we're being ripped apart. Another word for anxiety, often associated with anxiety, is fret. Did you ever use that word, I'm fretting? fretting about this or I'm stewing about that, but it, it's, it's a word that derives from an old English word which paints a picture of being chewed up and devoured. So between the two images, anxiety being pulled apart and then being devoured, it's, it's a fearful, fearful kind of word for us. I want us to read Psalm 13 together this morning. The words will be on your screen in the NIV. We'll read these together. I want to make note, this uh, for the director of music, a psalm of David. As you know, the psalms were ancient songbook. 
you know, I attended a church for a while that all they sang out of was the Psalter. The song leader would stand up and he would ta-ta-ta-ta and he would give them the rhythm and, and they would break into whatever psalm. And, and they knew somehow instinctively by whatever he started with that whatever psalm they were going to sing. And that's all they sang was from the psalms. The ancient songbook. David was quite a composer. And what I love about, about David and about his words that they're real. They come from a heart of a, a man, a person who is learning to follow God, learning to trust God daily, exposed to the elements, exposed to the same realities that, that we're exposed to. He's a real person in real time trying to figure it out. God is helping him. The Holy Spirit is leading him. But hear these words of David as you read them. Let them sink in. Let's join together. How long, Lord? Come on, read with me. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Psalm 13, clearly. Psalm 13 clearly is a prayer for help by one who is in anguish, experiencing physical pain and emotional and spiritual distress. And if we're honest, if we're honest, we can see ourselves. We know this just isn't David's song, but this is our song at times and seasons in our lives. The psalm is an open window to a deeply personal prayer during a season of despair. Maybe he's sick. Enlighten my eyes is a Hebrew idiom for a plea for restoration and healing from a sickness. Clouded over with illness, maybe aging, weakness. This is enlighten my eyes, restore, restore me, God, restore my health, restore my vitality. Maybe David's enemy is death right now. He's thinking, oh, it's coming. I can't stop it. Or it could be any number of David's enemies. Certainly he had them. He collected them over the course of his life, didn't he? Picture it. Can, can you see the, the psalm working out? His mind won't quit at night. It just won't shut off. No matter what he does, <laughs> just 
won't quit, tossing and turning, replaying, maybe his fears, maybe his worries, maybe, and, and you can feel it in his spirit. You can see him tossing and turning. And then during the day, then during the day, his days are marked by constant hardship, failed remedies. You know how you do that at night? You, you come up with a plan in the middle of the night. Ah, oh, this will work. This is what I'll do tomorrow. And you wake up and you try it and it doesn't. And, and you get the sense that David is in this cycle of, of constant anxiety. And exercises in futility. And it just keeps repeating. The circle just keeps going. And you can hear it in his voice. How long? How long? Sounds strangely like me sometimes. Sounds strangely like me, likely that any of us could identify with David's prayer. I, I was reading this week, Patrick O'Connor wrote in the Wall Street Journal that Americans are registering record levels of anxiety. Record levels of anxiety. Causes are many, I'm sure. At the top of the list is we never unplug. We never, we're always connected to what's going on around us. Maybe it's the level of, of rhetoric, the, of hateful and outrage in our culture. Maybe it's that. It's a combination of all those things. Maybe it's, it's the constant fear from enemies abroad and enemies within. I don't know. Then he writes, Record levels of anxiety. I thought you were giving us hope, preacher. <laughs> Come on, get to the hope. <laughs> we'll talk about this stuff, right? We'll get there. I, I need to make some full disclosure this morning. I'm not a mental health counselor. And my aim this morning, and our aim over the next few weeks, is not to diagnose and treat mental illness. That's not our ambition. However, and Pastor Ryan can, can confirm this, and in our work as pastors, we, we often, I, there's not a week goes by, hardly a day goes by, that we aren't counseling somebody, spiritually speaking, pointing them helping them find help and hope. And along the way, we often encounter people struggling with mental illness. It's just real, folks. It's just real. And what I want to say that kind of serves as a backdrop, maybe even a banner over all we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, is mental illness is not sin. Right? Mental illness is, is not sin. And I, and I don't know why. I don't know why somehow we want to place mental illness over here in its own little category. 
I mean, we've made great strides in understanding and treating mental illness. We know more. We have treatments that show promise. We have medications. We seem at times to have greater advocacy, people speaking about it. That's one of the reasons we're talking about it is because we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it. We have greater advocacy and sometimes higher levels of compassion and empathy. <laughs> Still at the same time, you know, when, when I worked at a homeless shelter, a majority of the clients that we saw was mental illness. And oftentimes, oftentimes, co-occurring disorders were addictions and, and they were, they were self-medicating their, their mental illness. It wasn't just that they didn't want to work and they were, they were bums and... Yeah, somehow, and I don't know why, but even especially in the church, especially in the church, we act like we don't want to talk about that. We're scared of it. Sometimes our, our treatment plan is to offer religious platitudes. We tell people, just tough it out. White knuckle willpower it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And all the while, people are hiding, hiding, hiding any signs or symptoms for fear. Anybody finds out about this. And stigma and shame are powerful. And if, if my sister-in-law, Dawn, who has started listening to these sermons, our podcasts with regularity, if she's listening today, I want, I want, to, I want her to hear. She has dealt, because I have a brother. You know, his name is Walt. And, and Walt deals with schizophrenic disorder. <laughs> Medicated therapy. And sometimes the stigma. See, Walt's not aware of it. Because but sometimes the stigma that his wife encounters, it's shameful. It's awful. There's a song that, that I've been listening to a lot lately. 
<laughs> I don't know why. It just, just kind of captured my attention. I, I heard it a long time ago, and it just keeps coming back to me in the song. The hook, the hook in the song is, maybe it's okay. Maybe it's okay if I'm not okay. Maybe it is. I think God knows this about us. I think that's why these scriptures are preserved. That's, that's why, because we see the heart of God toward, toward humanity in, in these songs that David wrote. We, God knows. He says, I want you to know you're not alone. And it's okay. It's okay to be broken. I don't intend to leave you there, but it's okay. That's why I love what Kathy Hurt wrote. She is an author. She wrote The Dark Has Its Own Light, a memoir of her struggles, her own struggles with depression. She wrote, she's a pastor, and, and she said, pastors, <laughs> you feel the weight of this, don't you, Ryan? Dennis, you feel it. Richard, you feel it. Pastors are supposed to be paradigms of perfection. To be endowed with some sort of faith that keeps them immune from something like mental illness. Some are not. See, this is what I know and what David experiences in this psalm is that anxiety... Anxiety can be stubborn and paralyzing. How long? It won't let go. It won't leave me. I'm just here. And we really have no, no indication that by the end of the psalm that it's over. Anxiety is relentless at times, and it's unpredictable and mysteriously triggered. I, friend is very close to me. One night, sweats. Just heart pounding. Chest pain. <sighs> Breathe. Just kept saying, I'm... I'm afraid I'm going to die right now. Off to the hospital. It's not a heart attack. It's not a heart attack at all. It's, it's an anxiety-induced panic attack. Treatments, medications, better. But lived with the constant fear that someone would find out. Someone would know their secrets. And I don't know which is worse. <laughs> I really don't. The anxiety or the fear that somebody would find out that you're not okay. Because don't we do that, church? We, we play that stained glass masquerade game. And, and, and we live sometimes in fear that if anybody could really see I don't know, but I, I know this. If someone were diagnosed with cancer, we would never say, you just need to pray harder and believe more, would we? We never would. 
I never would. According to the ADA, Anxiety and Depression Association of America, 40 million adults in the United States suffer with anxiety disorders of various degrees. And if that doesn't start yet, this one should get your attention. Anxiety disorders also affect 25.1% of children between the ages of 13 and 18. That's in the church and outside the church. That's everywhere. It's everywhere. So we need to talk about it. Because it's very likely that your family, your home, is impacted by some of this. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not diagnosing. And I know this. Some anxiety is good for us. Right? If I'm anxious about an upcoming exam, worried maybe about what. Some anxiety is good because it motivates me to study and prepare. And I don't know, athletes in the room, you know how this is. Before every game, I remember in basketball, I just my armpits would be just soaked with a little anxious about the game and the outcome and my play, and it was, it was okay. And anxiety over unconfessed sin, that's okay. Because that anxiety will drive you to the only one who can do anything at all about your unconfessed sin, and that's Jesus. Right? So some anxiety is, is okay. But I want you to know that Mental illness is like any other illness, and it's okay to seek professional help. It's okay. It's okay. Because there is hope for the anxious mind. If it were not, the Psalms wouldn't be in here. And so I, just in the few minutes that, that I have left, <clears throat> let me offer some simple prescriptions for when you feel anxiety rising. With a caveat. That if you need help, get help. Here's what I would say. The point of this psalm is God is saying to us, you are never meant to go it alone. You're never meant to figure this out alone. Talk to a trusted friend, someone who can empathize with your 
condition with your state, someone who can pray with you, someone who can point you toward healing and the hope that is available for the anxious mind. And what I would say this, there is incredible power in shared stories, isn't there? I, I don't know, I don't know, but the inspiration comes that I'm not alone. People understand, people get me and other people struggle and other people have, have found help and, and this is where they found help and that inspires us. And it raises our eyes and it raises our hope. We talk to a trusted friend. I often wonder who were David's trusted friends. I mean, he had the men of Issachar who understood the times and could tell him what to do, but I wonder who his trusted friends are. And, and uh, you know, one of the things about being a pastor is that sometimes you have all these people, but it's the loneliest job in the world, isn't it, Ryan? Anyway, I digress. Check your balance. Check your balance in your life. Work, rest, and play. Sometimes the best question we can ask when anxiety is, is starting to rise in our spirit is, what am I not doing anymore? What, what have I stopped doing? What rhythm is, is our friends? That's, that's the way God designed us. Six days you shall labor in the, the seventh rest. Watch this video that uh, Michael's going to play. Frank said that looks like him driving through Terre Haute. <laughs> Can you rip this for me? He says, yeah, where'd you get that video of me driving through town? <laughs> but you know and I know that some of us live our lives that very way, at that pace. We live right there. And young people with... And it's not just young people, it's, it's all of us connected to that phone and that's the first thing we check in the morning and we're afraid we miss something while we're sleeping. You need to understand that what's happening with our, our young people today is that their brains, their circuits are being rewired by technology. There's a great book out, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. from a Christian perspective, how, how technology and uh, the constant barrage, the 24-hour news cycle, everything that is at our fingers, it's actually making us sick. And God builds this rhythm into our life, and he says, you know what? It's called Sabbath. Take it. It's okay to stop. It's okay to hit the pause button. We're not human doings, we're human beings. And the most important 
thing we can be is with Jesus. And remembering that he is God. See, this is what the psalmist eventually gets to. All this stuff is going on in my life. All this, all this incredible pressure. I feel like I've got to fight my way out of this. I've got to somehow got to figure my way out of this. And then he gets to the end and he says, but you know what? I need to pause. And trusting God's unfailing love. And remember him. I want to remind you that what the psalmist discovered, what we can discover is that there is healing in Jesus' name. Because remember what we talked about last week? <laughs> the same reaction my, my wife had. Uh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> it was transcendence and eminence. the bigness of God and the nearness of God. See, God is not powerless. And indeed, if mental illness is like any other illness, he is victorious over that as well. His power is immeasurably great. He's not indifferent toward you. He wasn't indifferent toward David. He hadn't forgotten David. He cares for you as a father cares for his child. God is not distant. He is near to all who call on him. Psalm 145. But he can feel far away, can't he? He can feel far away when we're anxious and we're afraid. And I would say that sometimes God feels far from us because we have put ourselves out of earshot of his voice. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about change and I said I love change as long as I'm the one instigating change. problem most of us have is that we want to be sovereign and we want control and we want to move the chess pieces and we want to make the plans And all the while, God is saying, I'm right here. Right here. Call to me. And I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. And Psalm 25 carries it even a bit, a bit closer to the heart. And it says that God confides. He shares the mysteries with those who trust him. 
says to us, cast all your anxiety on him. Quit carrying it. He cares for you. Paul said, do not be anxious about anything. Right, Paul. Have you seen my retirement account as 65 keeps approaching? I'm a little anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul says, maybe it's okay if you're not okay. Because God's got you. And God won't fail you. Right? Emmanuel, God with us. For after all, after all, church, don't we follow the one who is not unable to sympathize or empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin? Don't we follow the one that learned obedience through the things that he suffered? Don't, don't we even follow the one who, who knew what it was like to feel abandoned by the Father in heaven? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So then let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need, a well-timed help. You know what I love about the Psalms? They're prayers. They're prayers. Prayers set to music. We sing them. Now, people hear me sing and they need therapy. The deer run whenever they hear me sing. <laughs> There's an interesting <coughs> verse in the Bible. It says, when we are faithless, God is faithful. I, I take that at times to mean that God does for me in moments what I cannot do for myself. That when my faith falters, when I bump up against something, that, that God's oncoming power comes to me and, and undertakes for me and becomes for me what I cannot be for myself. Church, I would, and I think Pastor Ryan's going to talk to us about this in a couple of weeks, but it, it is time we put away the notion that following Jesus is about do more, try harder. We need to get rid of that. Well, that's not what it's about at all. The whole point of the gospel is you can't do it, so you better lay it on Jesus because he's the only one that can help you. 
And this is what I know when we sing. This is, this is why, do you ever wonder why uh, music gets inside of us and, 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 and songs from different seasons in our lives, they just, they just own us? And it's why in, in every generation there are songwriters who capture the, the, the faith of that generation. It's not because they don't like the old, that God is in them and working and producing. Anyway, when we sing, it's prayer. We're not singing to the air. We're not. We're singing to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are singing to the God of David. We are singing, and if you can picture this and imagine this, we are singing in harmony, in rhythm, with the great cloud of witnesses offering prayers and petitions to God. Do you see that, church? This is why the Psalms matter. And, and, and even more, I, I, have a, I have a friend, well, the family, Brian and Yana and Norby have a daughter, Kaya Norby, and we always had something in common because we all, we went into the empty nest season at the same time. <sighs> Their daughter, Kaya, graduated and moved off and our son Dylan graduated, and we just kind of got together, and we, we, we whined together. We empty and quiet the house was. Right. And Kaya, Kaya went off to this uh, prestigious school in Minneapolis, St. Paul area. And she studied music therapy, graduated. And I, I messaged her this week and I said, Kaya, I'm, I'm speaking about anxiety on Sunday. We'll talk about that. I said, you've studied music therapy. What, what would you want a pastor to know? What would you want your pastor to say about music therapy? She said, oh, that's awesome. That's a great question. From a psychological standpoint, music releases dopamine. You know what dopamine is? It's, it's that chemical, that neurotransmitter in our brains that is linked to pleasure and happiness. It releases dopamine. So you say, oh, I love this song. I love it. And music has been studied and may decrease cortisol, which is the neurotransmitter linked to stress and anxiety. I think God knew that about us.
you. I mean, he's, he's the one that knit us together. Fearfully and wonderfully. Created us. I don't know about you, but I, I love that my God knows me. And I think it's also important to note that music connects and brings people together. That's why we go to concerts, right? That's why everybody packs in to hear Garth Brooks sing, right? Know the songs. They sing along with him. Sing along together. That's why we worship. right or wrong songs to sing at worship. It's as long as they're true and we sing them. And lastly, she says, can I give you an example of how music connects people to people and to God? I said, sure. She says she was placed in hospice for her most recent practicum. Many of the songs we sang to dying people were, were hymns. They're older. Those songs were meaningful in their lives. I hope when I'm there, they're singing Toby Mac to me. <laughs> the resurrecting God is resurrecting me. I hope they sing that to remind me that even if the worst thing happens, it's never the last thing. She says, I distinctly remember being in a session where a lady who had extreme dementia, delirium, and anxiety was brought to sleep by her preferred songs. She said, we sang a mix of old folk tunes, but the song that was most effective in calming her down was, are you ready for this? Jesus loves me, this I know. sing some more. But Kaya went on to say, during that song, this lady made eye contact with both me and my supervisor. I remember she's agitated, 
hilarious. She makes eye contact with Kaya and her supervisor, and Kaya says, I'm sure that was her way of saying thank you. She couldn't speak. She couldn't sing. By the end of the session, she was asleep, and her restlessness was gone, even if it was only for 30 minutes. I've seen that. I've seen that on your faces when you come in anxious and tied in knots. I've seen it. The faces of the young people with the rise. I've seen it. You see, something happens when we sing. And we're reminded of all that God has for us. Through his son, Christ Jesus. And I am given hope that even if even if I am tormented by anxiety for the rest of my days on this earth, that that will not be the last thing for me. Because there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, <laughs> which the Lord himself will place. And there will be in that place no more tears. No more fretting, no more enemies, no more anxiety, no more mental illness. Only ever increasing joy forever and ever. That's why we sing, because our forgetters work pretty good, right? And we sing to remind ourselves. So worship team, can you come? Please, we're going to sing. And as, as we're singing, songs will move pretty quick. But as we're singing, if you need to find a place where you just want to cast your anxiety upon the Lord, a waiting room of faith is right here. We can do that, right? Because there is no shame. There is no stigma. There is only the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit. And He is good. Amen. Let's sing. <laughs>